What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Grand Canyon University makes earning your degree possible with over 130 academic programs for traditional campus students with more than 80 bachelor's programs offered online. GCU provides you with the personal support you need from complimentary unofficial transcript evaluations within 24 business hours to scholarships, academic support, and your GCU graduation team led by your own university counselor. Find your purpose at GCU. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. God bless you. Glad you joined us. How great thou art because he is worthy to be praised. God bless you and I hope you guys have already thanked the Lord for this day he has given us. We didn't deserve it but he gave it to us anyway and we should be grateful to that. I hope things are well with your soul today and I hope that uh, you are in the right mindset And the only way to get in that right mindset is to get to know him. Get to know the one who died for your sins. Sometimes we, uh, as believers, 
Don't think about exactly what the Lord Jesus Christ did for us. He decided to take a suffering. He was comfortable. He didn't have to come to earth to die for his own sin. He came to die for our sins. And sometimes when we're complaining, we forget just how good God has been to us. God bless you, and I hope you guys are having a blessed day today. Um, Eric, good to see you, my brother. JLC, our brother in Christ, he has put out uh, the link to the book, Guaranteed Freedom, Victory, and Success. Good to see you, brother JLC. Sister Brittany, good to see you. Happy Sunday to you, too. Brother Howard, good to see you. Uh, Big Howard. Uh, Christy Meadows, good to see you, my sister. God bless you. Um, hope everything is well with everybody. As you know, we're, we're, we're doing a series in the Psalms, Psalm 119. And to, today we are beginning part 12 of that. And we'll be starting today at verse 89. We like to read... Uh, verse 89 down to verse 96. As we've told you throughout the lessons, we have divided it, or the sun is divided it uh, by inspiration of the Holy Spirit. It's been divided into 22 parts, the Hebrew alphabet, and each part has eight verses. And today we will be started by reading uh, verse 89, forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Thy faithfulness is unto all generations. Thou hast established the earth and it abided. They continue this day according to thy ordinance. For all are thy servants, unless thy law had been my delight, I should then have perished in my affliction. I will never forget thy precepts, for with them thou hast quickened me. I am thine, save me, for I have sought thy precepts. The wicked have waited for me to destroy me, but I will consider thy testimonies. I have seen an end of all perfection, but thy commandment is exceedingly broad. And you understand we're talking about entering God's school of knowledge and learning his ways, part 12 of 22. Father, we thank you for this day. We pray that your word will go forth. We pray that the, the saints will hear your word, absorb it in their hearts and mind. Let us be better men and women after hearing your word. Don't let us be just hearers of the word, but let us be doers of your holy word. It's in Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Now today, there is nothing we can come up with. There is nothing, no book, no knowledge, nothing that you could ever come in contact with that is more sure than the Word of God. Nothing. Nothing is more sure than the Word of God. It does not matter if we are talking about gravity or the sun rising every morning, the laws that govern our universe were placed there by God Almighty. 
See, once you have this concept of who God is, I say that the laws that govern our universe were put in place by God Almighty. While you got all these astrophysics, we got all these mathematicians, we got all these historians, we got all these folks at NASA trying to study God's creation, but uh, uh, the, 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 the good news to us is that all that they may find out once they found out the truth, most will still deny it, but the truth they'll find out and the laws they say they're coming up with, they say they discovered something new, whatever it may be. In the beginning, God is the one who put this, these laws that govern our universe, he put them into place. The sun would not rise every morning if God had not willed it. He set it in motion. I don't care how the intellects, they try their best. The psalmist says forever. How long is ever? Forever, ever. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in the heavens. See, the word that God has declared is settled throughout eternity. It never ends. Know this, that one day the sun will stop shining. That's a fact. There was once a time there was no sun. You do know that, right? But the word of God was standing before there was a sun. Before there was an if and an anything physical in the universe. Before all of this existed, there still was a God and his word was eternal. We must also understand that Gravity works, uh, how it works is because the Lord has put gravity in place. Did you realize and understand that there are some places, even on this earth, that defies gravity? Mm. You understand what I'm saying? Most times you say you can't defy gravity, but when it comes to the Lord, uh, he don't have to go by the same rules and regulations let us mere mortals go by. If you travel over to Mount Aragats, the laws of physics does not exist there. Here the water in the river flows from the bottom to the top. When, you're, when you put your car in the neutral, it automatically goes uphill without any driver. I said the Lord, when he created in the beginning, they trying to act like this is a phenomenon or something. God knew what he was doing. He wanted to show you that he can defy even the laws of gravity because the laws that govern the universe were put in place by my God. There's also a reverse waterfall in India. You can look it up. It's fascinating to look up. They say the wind is blowing really hard. That's what's causing this. No, 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 no. Here we go again. I just don't like when they try to uh, not give credit. I said the laws that govern the universe. Do you remember the story of Jesus walked on water? That's not natural. That's defying gravity. Gravity laws does not confine uh, the God of glory. There's also a place in Santa Cruz. This place is located in the forest, only 150 uh, feet. In the outside area of Santa Cruz, their people seem to be walking in a sloping fashion and things look as if they are climbing up. I said the laws that govern our universe 
or put in place. Oh, I like to listen to astrophysics. I like to watch the NASA station. I like to watch the animal planet. I like to watch all of these things because whenever I hear them explaining stuff, I say, that's good. I'm going to just understand it. You don't realize that you are giving the Lord credit. I believe the scripture said the heavens declare the glory of the Lord. The heavens do it. They're just singing unto him. According to physics, there may be places in what we call black holes where time does not exist. What you say? You mean that in a black hole, it's possible that time is irrelevant. Guess what, though? The God who crunked this whole thing up, he stands outside of time, and time is not relevant to him. So if you got a problem, don't worry about the time. Get on the side of the God who created time, and he could stop the time if he have to. I was also reading an article that said in the 1980s and the 90s, many physics became dissatisfied with string, uh, string theory and came up with a range of new mathematical approaches to quantum gravity. One of the most prominent of these is what they call the loop quantum gravity, which proposes that the fabric of space and time is made of a network of extremely small, discrete chunks of loops. You know when they do these movies sometimes, they talk about these loops where time seems not to exist. One of the remarkable aspects of loop quantum gravity is that it appears to eliminate time ex entirely. Guess what, though? When my God winds it all up, there's going to come a time where time will not exist. It's called eternity. Come on, somebody. Knock, knock, I said. I said there's going to come a time. I'm not going to have to worry about quantum gravity or loop quantum gravity. I said the God who crunked this whole thing up. See, you say you got problems. Don't worry. Let me introduce you to a big God. I want you to throw away that small God that you made up in your mind. I say you got a big problem. I said that problem is small to a God who creates something out of nothing who creates the very laws that govern our universe, you think he can't solve your problem. Once you understand how big your God is, all of a sudden everything seems quite small after that. Our God created time, but eternity is outside of time, and time is not important in eternity. <laughs> you ain't got to worry about Because I always I was thinking about, I wonder what God was doing. Before he created anything. Time didn't exist then. All this stuff we're talking about didn't even exist then. That's why people be talking about another dimension and stuff. I'm, I'm fascinated with this too. Because I like to hear the smartest people explain these things. And I like to get what they explain. And I got to look at that and says, I'm going to use that. Because now you're giving God glory without recognizing that you're giving God glory. Speak some more to me. I love it. Mm -mm, I'm not mad at you. My God stands outside of time because he is the eternal God. Understand when we say he's the eternal God, that means there's no ending or beginning with him. He's the eternal God, always has, always will be. He's the I am God. When he makes a declaration, it must come to pass because he's the eternal God. 
Who can not lie? This God we're talking about is impossible for him to lie. There's something people say, nothing is impossible with God. Yes, it is. God cannot lie. Mm-mm. That's impossible for my God to lie. So this eternal word that we call the Bible is also eternal because the God who spoke it is eternal. Therefore, our text says forever, forever, ever, O Lord, thy word is settled in the heavens. I'm preaching to myself now. I said forever, ever. I don't know how long that is, but that's not ever ending forever, ever. Oh Lord, thy word is settled in the heaven. The word we are reading right now is settled in the heavens. It's eternal. This is what the psalmist is saying. I love this psalmist. I'm going to shake it. If it's David, I'm going to shake his hand when I get to heaven. Because this is a profound psalm. It may be the most magnificent psalm in all of scripture. Forever, he says, O Lord. Thy word is settled in the heaven. Can I can I just hammer that home to you? If God said it, that settles it. Period. I don't want to hear no if, best, and and. You say I don't. I can't see it. Good. That's what faith is all about. You ain't got to see it. The psalmist says forever. Understand this. If God made a promise, it says forever. Oh Lord. Thy word. It don't matter how small it is. Whatever he says is going to come to pass because he cannot lie. If the eternal God says it, then that shit settles it in your mind. When the Lord makes a promise to do something for one of his servants, you can bet everything. Bet the house on that because he has declared it. It's settled in the heavens. There is a story that we all are familiar with in Genesis chapter 22. It is the story where the Lord tells Abraham to sacrifice his son that he's waited a hundred years to receive from the Lord. Understand, people just read these stories and act like it's normal. This is not normal. Somebody reacting like Abraham reacting is not normal. That's why he's called the father of faith. Can you imagine that? Like, Lord, does that show you? Are you sure that's what you want me to do? No, he said, I want you to take the boy you waited for for a hundred years that I promised to you, and I want to see if you love me more than you love that boy. We should say that Abraham bet all, bet it all on the promises of God, and he is now called the father of faith. He said, I'm betting the whole thing. It wasn't even a gamble. Like they say, when you bet the whole thing on against the house, This was a sure thing, though, because the God of glory who cannot lie. I I said the God of glory cannot lie when he promises that his seed, singular, would inherit and bless the whole earth. He had to eat. He was going to raise his boy from the dead. Abraham made up his mind that Isaac is dead. (laughs) Because if the Lord said he got to kill him, evidently he's going to raise him from the dead or something. But I'm going to be obedient to what the master says. Now, I don't want to focus on the obedience of Abraham, which is very, very important. It's very important. Obedience is better than sacrifice. Understand that the test was not for Jehovah to see what Abraham would do. The test was to show Abraham what Abraham would do. Come on, somebody. 
when God uh, tries to uh, put you in the fire, he don't. He already know what you're going to do. He already know what I'm going to do. The test is to show you what you're going to do. God already know what Abraham said. When the, don't get caught up on a certain language that he has to explain to you and say, now I know. No, no. God already knew what Abraham was going to do. Abraham needed to know what Abraham was going to do. And because Abraham believed in and trusted the everlasting God, God makes a promise to Abraham. I said the promises of God are always yay. Don't let nobody tell you anything. I want to encourage the saints today. If God says you ain't never going to beg for bread, you ain't never going hungry, guess what? Take it to the bank. I'm a living witness. He says, by myself, have I sworn. This is what he said, said the Lord. For because thou hast done this thing and has not withheld thy son, thy only son, even though he had another one, that in blessing I will bless thee, and in multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars in the heaven, and as the sand which is upon the seashore, and thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies, and in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because thou hast obeyed my voice. Mm-mm-mm. You said that uh, I'm feeling a little distressed today. Have you obeyed his voice? Oh, you can throw off all doubt once you learn to obey his voice. Just be radical with it. If the Lord said it, I'm standing on his promise. This ain't the name and claiming. This is what the Lord said. He said, if I do this, he's going to have to do this. I challenge you. I challenge you. I say, if the Lord made a promise, take him on his word. Say, I'm going to double dog dare you. I'm going to do it, Lord, and you're going to have to do it because you said if I follow your command, you said if I do this, you promise you're going to do it. He's not a man that he should lie. This is good news because when you look at every nation that has truly been blessed, it is because there were those who believe in the God of Abraham. Those who walk by faith as faithful Abraham did. And God who cannot lie blessed that nation because of those um, who had faith in the finished work of the seed of Abraham, which we know to be the Lord Jesus Christ. See, sometimes a nation get blessed and some people think it's because of the leadership. If you got saints and praying people who are following the things of God, a nation can be blessed just by the saints who are witnessing for the Lord Jesus Christ. You better hear me now. You ain't got to worry about that because in a famine, I'm still eating. I'm going to be Elijah in the famine. You heard me right. Yeah, yeah. See, when people, when you do what's right by the Lord, when you follow the Lord's commandment, don't worry about it because the devil is trying to get you worked up. Said the devil is a lie. I'm not even entertaining that. He's trying to call your God a liar. Don't entertain anybody who's calling your God a liar. Have you tried him for yourself? See, some things you got to test out for yourself. But there's more to the text in Genesis chapter 22 because. Verse 19 on Genesis says, So Abraham returned unto his young men, and they rose and went together to Beersheba. And Abraham dwelt at Beersheba. There are several things that stick out in this particular verse if you read it very, very carefully. First, it is as if Moses 
through the Holy Spirit was saying symbolically Isaac is dead because it does not mention Isaac returning with Abraham. Is it a coincidence or what? Why did you just leave out? It says Abraham returned. It never even said Isaac came with him. I mean, this is almost, this is how profound my God is. We understand also that the ram that the Lord had provided for as a sacrifice to Abraham was pointing to the Lord Jesus Christ, Mount Moriah. Most people say that's the same location, Golgotha, where the Lord Jesus was crucified. Now, remember that Abraham called this place Jehovah Jireh, which means the Lord will provide. You hear what I say? I said the Lord not can, the Lord will provide. Yeah, You may ain't never went through nothing where you don't know how something was going to work out. I said, Abraham says, the ram in the bush, he says, wait a minute. Lord told me to do something. I did it. And all of a sudden, this ram just happened to get stuck in the bush over here. Jehovah Jireh. See, that's what you need to say to yourself. Every time the Lord come through, you need to just start shouting, Jehovah Jireh. The Lord will provide. He is the I am God of scriptures. I will provide for my sheep. But there's still more because it says Abraham went to Beersheba. Every time the Bible says something, there's so much meat in there. You can almost just spend a year on just one scripture. It comes, it just becomes impregnated with more and more knowledge as you overturn and pour over it and allow the Holy Spirit to guide you. Abraham went to Beersheba and that is also important. If you go back to chapter 1, uh, chapter 21 uh, of Genesis, it talks about Beersheba also in chapter 21. Not just chapter 22, he returned to Beersheba. So for some reason, why is Beersheba, why did he mention that? It mentioned that for a reason. Abraham and Amalek made a pact and swore on an oath to be at peace with one another. Now remember the that Amalek understood that God was with Abraham. This is a pagan. He understood that the blessings of God was on Abraham because Abraham was faithful to God. A, a heathen says to Abraham, God is with thee in all that thou doest. Whoo! Isn't that something else? When a heathen knows that God is with you. <laughs> when a heathen knows that God is with you. When the children of Israel was marching through and Joshua with the children of Israel, the heathens knew that the God of glory was with them. Even a heathen could recognize who was serving the true God. I said, even those heathens that you work with or your neighbors or whoever you know, they can tell when you really fear the Lord. But they made the pact of the covenant at Beersheba. Abraham made a pact with this heathen not to be at war. No, we're not, we not finna enter into I'm serving your God. None of that. We made a pact to be at peace though. Beersheba, Beersheba literally means well of oath or well of seven. Also remember that when Jacob heard that his son Joseph was still alive, he headed to Egypt. It says in Genesis 46, and Israel took his journey with all he had 
and came to Beersheba and offered a sacrifice unto the God of his father Isaac. Ain't that something else? So Abraham hanging out at the well at Beersheba. Isaac must have something to do with it. And Jacob on his way to Egypt. After he found out that his baby boy, his favorite Joseph, was still alive. It says, and God spoke to Israel, which is Jacob, in a vision of the night and said, Jacob, Jacob. And he said, here I am. And he said, I am the God, the God of thy father. Fear not, go unto Egypt, for I will there make of thee a great nation. Same promise he promised to Abraham. He's reminding Jacob, I'm going to do what I said I'm going to do. He said, I will go down with thee unto Egypt, and I will also surely bring thee up again. And Joseph shall put his hand upon thy eyes. And Jacob rose up from Beersheba, and the sons of Israel carried Jacob their father and their little ones and their wives in the wagons which Pharaoh had sent to carry them. Whoo! The heathens and sent uh, the carriage to bring Jacob into Egypt. It's said that the name Beersheba is a compound of two elements. The verb bara, B-A-R-A-R, essentially means to clean, purify, or clarify. That's what the verb uh, text of bara means. Now the noun Sheba, uh, or Sheba, uh, S-H-I-B-A, means seven and, and, they're, and they're plural means 70. Now the dual form means 70 fold or 70 times. So Abraham, the man of faith, went and lived in Beersheba. We could interpret it to mean that Abraham was cleaned and purified and God multiplied his purification by seven or 70 times through his seed that was to come. Because Abraham was a man who lived by trusting the eternal God. Then if you go back over to Genesis chapter 21, verse 32, it says, And Abraham planted a grove in Beersheba and called there on the name of the Lord, the everlasting God. That is again, the eternal God. Abraham called on the everlasting God, the eternal God, the one who's always been here. How is there anything safer <laughs> Then betting on the one who's always been here, who crunk it all up, who the laws of the universe are governed because he put them in place. Who is there better to put your faith in? We're not talking about these fake gods who's been made up in their mind. We're talking about the God who declares things. And later on, the scientists find out that the word of God was correct exactly what it said. See, the scientists have to correct themselves when they look at the scripture. When they say, we thought it was wrong right here. Later on, they said, well, we were wrong and the scripture was right. Of course you was, because this is the everlasting eternal God. Abraham called on the eternal God in Beersheba because he understood that the Lord was eternal. Verse 90 of our text in Psalm 119 says, thy faithfulness is unto all generation. Thou hast established the earth and it abided. Notice how it keeps going on and on throughout scripture from Genesis all the way to revelation. It keeps saying that the Lord is the one who established and created the earth. How are you going to be friends with anybody? I don't care if it's NASA or some, some uh, atheist or whatever. They try to say that the earth was not created. 
which makes absolutely no sense. But here they are insulting. You might as well, if you don't believe that God created the earth, stop even reading the Bible, quit even pretending. When you die, we'll see. How about that right there? I, I just don't understand the mindset of anybody having this concept of saying that uh, we believe. I heard NASA. I don't care what NASA says. I read NASA too. I like looking at NASA's website. Matter of fact, I like listening to these intellects talk. Talk themselves into a hole. All they got to do is let them talk long enough and just listen to them good. They contradict themselves over and over again. When the eternal God makes a promise, you can trust it will come to pass. Time and space are nothing to eternal God. You say it's been a long time since he promised. Did he make that promise to you? You can take it to the bank then. He's worried. Maybe you need to do something because you ain't got clean. Maybe you ain't ready for it yet. We serve a God who is faithful to his word. Deuteronomy 32 and 4 says, He is the rock. His work is perfect. For all his ways are judgment, a God of truth, and without iniquity, just and right is he. Amen. Every believer's national anthem should be, I trust in the Lord because he is faithful. I say as that should be every believer's national anthem. I trust in the Lord because he is faithful. And if you want to have a pledge, we can have a pledge of allegiance. All believers should say, I pledge allegiance to my God because he is worthy. I pledge allegiance to my God because he is faithful. I pledge allegiance to my God because he is eternal. I pledge allegiance to my God because he has saved me. Our text says, thou has established the earth and it abided. Who established it again? Want to remind you just again. No one can destroy the earth but the one who created the earth. Now, y'all want to make this clear. These earth worshipers keep thinking that the climate is going to be destroyed by man-made climate war. They're calling your God a liar. You're not even offended. That's why I get so offended with it. We are polluters, and not from a physical standpoint. We are polluters with our sins. Yet God's word stands forever. When our text says, forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Thy faithfulness is unto all generations. Thou hast established the earth, and it abided. <laughs> he says, I think the Psalms is just saying the Lord is the one who created and only the Lord can destroy it. Therefore, I know humans can't through climate change destroy the earth because second Peter says, but the heavens and the earth, which are now by the same word are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. Malachi 4 and 1 says, but the heavens and the earth, which are now by the same word, are kept in store and reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of the ungodly men. Matthew 24 and 35 says, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. It's settled. His word is settled in eternity. If you are in trouble today, if your mind is being troubled, I want you to I want to encourage you that the God of glory is not a man that he should lie. 
when King David had gotten older, he penned Psalm 37. He says in Psalm 37, verse 25, I have been young, but now I am old. Yet have I not seen the righteous forsaking, nor his seed begging brick. You hear what I say? I said Psalm 37, King David. You familiar with that fella? He ain't nothing but a sheep herder. The last of Jesse's boys, they didn't have no confidence on him. He's a little ruddy boy. Forgot all about him when Samuel came over to anoint him. Uh, I believe that the Lord says, none of these boys are the one. Go out there. He must got another boy. He said, go get it. I got a son out there. He's tending the sheep though. David, King David, who the Lord guided, says, I have been young and now am old. Yet, have I not seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. He goes on to say he is ever merciful and lended and his seed is blessed. Depart from evil and do good and dwell forevermore. You know why people don't have peace today? You don't understand why you don't have peace because you got evil in your heart. Repent of your sins and the Lord will give you peace. David goes on to say in verse 28, For the Lord loveth judgment, and forsaketh not his saints. They are preserved forever, but the seed of the wicked shall be cut off. Don't worry. All these wicked people thinking they're getting away with something trying to intimidate. You ain't got to be intimidated by no devil. Uh-uh. No, 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 no. The devil got to be scared of you. The eternal God was speaking through King David. And the only question I have for you is, do you believe his word? Oh, I'm talking to somebody. I didn't say, do your mama say it, what your daddy, what your pastor said. I said, do you believe what he said? Let me repeat what David said again. I have been young and now I am old. Yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. In a famine, God can still feed you. You ain't got to get yourself work up, acting like a bunch of uh, uh, little chicken littles running around with your head chopped. Oh, my God, what are we going to do? I ain't going to do nothing because I'm, I'm depending on the eternal God. I don't care if all of it's shut down. I'm depending on the eternal God. I just got to get right with him. If I get right with him, everything's going to be all right. They used to have a song. They used to say, everything's going to be all right. If I make it right with him... If I, if I get myself right with God, I ain't got to worry about nothing because he got to do what he said he's going to do. He's the eternal God. He cannot lie. I've been young, but now I'm old. Yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. I don't care. Yeah, I, I pray for repentance. I pray for revival. But if it don't happen, guess what? All I got to do is stay right with my God because he's in charge. I don't care what nobody said. My God is in charge. The eternal God. When you seek the kingdom of heaven first, the Lord will always provide for you when things seem impossible. <laughs> when things seem impossible, guess what? You still have no strength left in your body. Guess who has strength? You say, all my strength has left in my body. Good. You're in a perfect predicament to get a blessing from the eternal God who has all power. A-L-L. You hear what I say? I say, not some power. You say, well, the devil is like a roaring. Yes, uh, I'm scared. Yeah, I'm you won't even get scared with you? 
Trust in the Lord and lean that until you understand. You say, how you going to, I ain't got to figure it out. It ain't my job to figure out everything. I got to trust the one who already knows everything, the eternal God. It's settled in heaven. When you hear a person who is great in their particular field, whether it be science, medicine, physics, computers, or whatever field, they are so-called mastered. I'm impressed. I ain't mad at you. I'm glad you. I hope you're giving the Lord the glory. It was God that put in place the rules and laws that govern their particular craft. If it's medicine, the Lord has already figured out. When they come up with a new discovery like penicillin or something like that, the Lord already had that discovery. What are you talking about, man? You got to be kidding me. Physics. Oh, you just not arrived? He, before, before there was time, space, or anything, he already figured out all there is to know about physics and computers and medicine and science. He already got this thing figured out. They keep discovering new things. I just sit back and laugh like they just discovered something that God had already put in place, huh? It was God that put in place the rules and laws that govern whatever craft they're doing. He is the one who has put out knowledge. All wisdom ultimately comes from God, even if a heathen refuses to give God the credit. I don't understand if you, you say I'm lacking knowledge, did you ask him for it? Because when Solomon asked for wisdom, God gave it to him. You ask not, I mean, you receive not because maybe you ain't asking for it. And when you ask, you're asking amiss. You want to do it to impress somebody else. You don't want to just to get to know the gift giver. You want to get, you, you want to treat God like Santa Claus or like the tooth fairy. Whenever you need him, you think he's just going to come to your beck and call. You don't ever want to talk to him until you need something. How would you feel if somebody only spoke to you when they want something? How would you feel about that? You think the Lord is going to let you just keep abusing him? Uh-uh. Do you talk to him when you don't want anything? Do you, do, you, do you just give him praise and glory because he's good anyway? Because he is the one that created the heavens and earth and all that, 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 that's in the earth, he created it. Verse 91 of our text says, they continue this day according to thine ordinance, for all are thy servants. Whoo! That boy is on the song. That boy is preaching. That, 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 that fella in Psalm 19, boy. I'm almost starting to think it is David now. I wasn't convinced when we first started this thing. This sounds like David here. It was my God who set up the laws that operate in our universe. Every physical thing that has been created are mere servants of the Most High. I'm talking now. Mm-mm, I'm preaching now. I said every physical thing that has ever been created, I don't care if it's during matters or whatever, stars, galaxies, they are servants of the Most High. They are God's servants. <laughs> the sun, the moon, and all the galaxies that we see, those that have not been seen either, they're servants of the Most High God. There ain't nothing higher than him. They're servants. Everything in the universe verse is a servant of God. If God wants a bird to bring you food, he'll get a bird to bring you some food. If he need a jackass to talk to you, to get you to line up and says an angel over here with a sword is about to kill you, fella. They're not as if we have some days. See, see, everybody has some days that got a little off or whatever. But you got to learn to give God his proper worship. You be you see if you start complaining, you ever done this right here? Maybe you've never done this. 
But you'll be asking and pleading with the Lord, tell him to deliver you for something. He delivered you, and a month later you complain about something. You forgot about the deliverance. You ain't even thanked him about what he delivered you from, that you were complaining about, acting like it was the end of the world. He delivered you, now you're on to something else complaining now. Because you're ungrateful. See, they, the, 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 the heavens and all in it, they worship and serve the Lord daily. The sun, every time it arises, says, the master has commanded me. I'm his servant. The sun rises in the east, or some say is the northeast or due east. And the sun sets in the west or the northwest. It does it every day since it was created. And it was created. If you look at Psalm 19, the psalmist says, the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Day unto day uttered speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line is gone out through all the earth. Their words to the end of the world. And them had he set as a tabernacle for the sun. Some of the things he just does just blows my mind. I'm serious. And then some people be, when the scientists trying to discover something, they be acting like it's a new discovery. The psalmist in 119 goes on to say, which is the bridegroom coming out of his chamber, rejoices as a strong man to run a race. See, this is what the Lord has done. And the the heavens, everything you, if you ever be outside, I'll be out there sometime. The other day I was doing a video or something, and these birds just started chirping. I was saying, I didn't hear these birds until I got, maybe I wasn't paying attention to them or something. It's like they were just singing to the Lord. They're so happy. They don't have a savings account. They don't even have anything. Here they are here just singing to the Lord. Guess what they know? We're going to have food tomorrow. And the next day we're going to have food. Isn't that something how these birds do this? <laughs> I was funny because I was doing something. I was stopped by this vehicle and I had some leftover meat or something. I had some leftover stuff. Now one day, because if I see like a stray dog or something like that, I, I, don't, I feed them sometimes. And so I was, I was at this place. And I didn't have no meat at this first place I was at. I didn't have anything. So I had like a, one of those like nourishment bars or something. So the dog seemed like it was hungry. And I, and I tried to get the dog to eat. I, I throw the thing on the ground. Guess what he did? He looked at me like, I'm not eating that. And I said to myself, look at this ungrateful dog. I'm trying to help feed him. He's trying to be picky now. I didn't say he didn't threw my bar that I wanted to eat. I didn't throw it on the ground so you can eat it. And you're going to look at me like I'm crazy or something. Don't even eat it. Wish I'd have never gave it to you. <laughs> But another day I had some of this chicken that I had made and I had it in the vehicle with me and I was riding and I stopped because sometimes I like to eat and ride. <laughs> and this was some good baked chicken too. I ate me some and this dog came up and he was looking pitiful like he just smelt it. Man, I threw him a piece of that thing. That boy, he gobbled that chicken up so fast you wouldn't believe it. But it seemed like he was grateful. He was looking at me like, thank you. He started wagging that tail. This is the understanding we don't... Humans sometimes don't understand how to give God his glory. Look at the animals, how happy they are. Just, I mean, these birds just flying around like they're just in heaven or something, just chirping everything else. Last time I checked, they didn't even have a dental plan, did they? They don't even have health care. They don't even have a savings in the 401. And here they are here singing unto the Lord. Here you are in living in this nice house, running water and everything else, food in the refrigerator, and you're complaining. Now, I don't know. How the simple shepherd, the son of Jesse, was able to pin Psalm 119 as profound as this. Now, don't forget, David is just a shepherd boy. 
He didn't have telescopes and all this kind of stuff. How was he able to come up with such miraculous statements as the heavens declare the glory of the Lord? Is it possible that the one who created all things was guiding him? I went over to a website called climatenasa.gov. If you want to have fun, boy, it's called climate.nasa.gov, G-O-V. And these are supposed to be very, very smart people. I like visiting their websites, but I, I want to read what they said on their website. <laughs> They say the length of Earth's day is increasing. When Earth was formed, listen to this, 4.6 billion years ago, its days would have been roughly only six hours long. Really? Mm. He's, then they say by 620 million years ago, this had increased to 21.9 hours. Today, the average day is 24 hours long, but is increasing by about 1.7 milliseconds every century. The reason, they say, the moon is slowing down Earth rotation through the tides that it helps create. Earth's spin causes the position of its tidal ocean bulges to pull slightly ahead of the moon Earth axles. Wait a minute. You're going to ignore what you just said. Now, you mean to tell me that something exploded and all this earth on axles and stuff was created out of that? See, I like to pick apart what they're saying. They're trying to go to their point. But I want to harbor on you saying that all of this earth being created on axles and the moon and the earth pulling each other. You're saying that that happened by chance. They just want to ignore that. Oh, I'm going to get to the 4.6 billion. And it says that the Earth axis, which creates twisting forces that slows down Earth rotation, as a result, our day is getting longer. Ooh, I'm impressed with their knowledge. But not long enough to make a difference to your busy schedule, they say. Oh, they weren't finished. Then they say Earth's continents have had an on-again, off-again relationship that has lasted for millions of years. And then they say, some 800 million years ago, the great tectonic plates that Earth's land masses ride upon came together. Really? Whoo, because that's funny, because in Genesis, when I was reading, it didn't quite tell the story like that. Um, so the eternal God is wrong, but these people who are just guesstimating all of a sudden are really smart. And everybody's saying, ooh, NASA is very, very smart. Then they go on to say that these supercontinents called Rodinas, R-O-D-I-N-I-A, what is now North America, lay at the center of it. Rodina eventually broke apart into many pieces that recoiled 250 to 500 million years ago, creating the Appalachian Mountains in North America. These people just make up stuff. It just dumbfounds me that they make up stuff. Then they say about 250 million years ago, the continents came together once again. The continents keep coming together and separating. According to these people at this particular website, you will notice that this is pure speculation and pure folly. First speculation is that the earth was formed 4.6 billion years ago. Now, my question is, what was it formed from? You just don't get something out of nothing. What do you, what do you mean? What do you mean it was formed 4.6 billion years ago? You didn't tell me how it was formed. I like to talk to whoever wrote this article, and I want to know it was formed from what. You mean to tell me 
all of these content, uh, 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 these plates that you're talking about that makes the earth revolve and stuff was formed from what? I'm curious. It doesn't make any sense. What is this eternal sustaining uh, matter that brought this uh, thing we call earth into being this intelligent uh, form of mass that creates a complex universe? These are supposed to be smart people because the earth is not simply a roundly shaped piece of dirt. The earth is very, very, very complicated once you study all the things about the earth. It's literally hanging in nowhere, just hanging out there in space somewhere. I wonder. I just wonder how that just happened. Oh, at the explosion, it happens to stop at the right location. Also, as far as we have been able to determine, earth is the only planet that has free oxygen. Is that a coincidence? (laughs) So when it was formed 4.6 billion years ago, it just happened to bring oxygen into existence. How did that happen? Boy, that's whatever kind of mass that that was that created the earth, it sure is smart. It's smarter than that virus that they call COVID. And the ability for humans to be able to live happened 4.6 billion years ago. Mm, I believe them. They seem very, very smart over here because they use a bunch of big words. I was impressed. Now, I guess these very smart people who owns this particular website can explain how 4.6 billion years ago, the blob that formed the earth gradually produced a safe space for humans to breathe. I'm just curious. I got questions. I really do. I can ask questions all day long. I mean, I know the answer, but I'm saying this don't make no sense. Come on, give me an answer to this then. If you're saying this, what about this? I was reading another website. Oh, we're going to get back to it because we got to establish how these intellects thinking they are mocking the eternal God. I was reading another website that was talking about how fascinating the earth is. And they said earth is the only planet in the solar system with plate tectonics. Basically, the outer crust of the earth is broken up into regions known as tectonic plates. These are floating on top of the magma interior of the earth and can move against one another when two plates collide. Lord have mercy. You think that happened by chance? Thank you for giving God the glory again. (laughs) Now imagine that my great God created all of this out of nothing though. I want you to understand the concept. We're trying to see you. You you said you got big problems. That's okay. I'm going to introduce you to a big God. All this stuff that they're talking about, how the earth has all these different layers and stuff, out of nothingness, the God of glory, the eternal God created all of this. So when our text says, thy faithfulness is unto all generations, thou hast established the earth and it abided. He established the earth. That's the only reason the earth is abiding right now is because he has established the earth. They continue this day according to thy ardness, for all are thy servants. I love it. Oh, I love this right here. They just keep on doing what the master told them to do because they're obedient servants. The mighty God who has wisdom beyond anyone ever understanding. You will be dead. I know it's not no time, but I want to use time as a reference just to try to uh, communicate what I'm trying to say. Just say we've been dead 500 trillion years. We still can't figure him out. That's how vast it's not. Throughout all eternity, 
We would not be able to figure out this magnificent God. It's going to be fun trying to learn though. Now, understand this. This God is willing to have a personal relationship with us. I said the one who created all this and put it into motions, creating something out of nothing, the complexity of the human body, the complexity of the universe, he wants to have a relationship with you and you still impressed with people. Unfreaking believable. Do you think that this God who created the vast universe, which has no end, by the way, because they keep looking for the end, they can't find it. Because the God that we're talking about is limitless. He is able to supply all the needs, all your needs according to his riches. Uh, I said he's a, he, there ain't no limit to what he can do. <laughs> because if there was something that wasn't existing that he needed, he can create it. There is a story in the book of Jeremiah that some of you may be familiar with also. It's found over in, in the 32nd chapter of the book of Jeremiah. Now, verse 27, the Lord says to Jeremiah, listen to this. Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? Mm. I think I'm going to have to pray that I just put it all around on every wall in the house. Uh, Behold, I am the Lord. I am the Lord. I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Did you hear that? He's the God of all flesh. And there is there, he said, I got a question for you though, Jeremiah. Is there anything too hard for me? <laughs> the answer is absolutely not. You got problems, don't worry. Go read uh, Jeremiah 32 and 27. Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? He asked Jeremiah a question that he already knows the answer to it. The answer is, of course not, Lord. Now, you must understand the backdrop of this particular story because I like to deal with the backdrop so you can get the full scope of what we're talking about in Jeremiah 32. It is the 10th year or almost the 10th year that a prophecy that Jeremiah has spoken from the Lord. He's a prophet, man of God. If thus says the Lord is coming to pass. See, Jeremiah was trying to tell these people, the Lord is saying this, no matter what I think, you can put me in jail, it ain't going to do you no good because the Lord has declared it. Jeremiah had warned Zedadiah, king of Judea, that Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, would destroy Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. Now, you may not know this, but Nebuchadnezzar had renamed Zedekiah. That ain't really his name because one thing about them Babylonians, they want to rename it like they did Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That ain't their Hebrew names. He had renamed him and made him swear on an oath that you're going to obey my command. Nebuchadnezzar said, I, I want you to swear unto your God that you're going to obey my. But Zedekiah wanted to get cocky. Somebody stuck a crank in his back. Does it sound familiar? He made an agreement. And he broke the agreement with Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar said, okay then, okay then, okay. Because the Lord was using Nebuchadnezzar to punish these idolaters. He don't care if you're his people. He will whip you in the line if you belong to him. Even if you don't belong to him, you're going to get whooped out of line. But instead of listening to the Lord's word, the king of Judah says, this Jeremiah, you know what? I'm going to put you in prison. I'm going to break you up for prophesizing, telling me what thus says the Lord. I'll put you in prison. How you like that? Now, 
it wasn't a typical prison that he put Jeremiah in. It was kind of like the king's courtyard, but Jeremiah was restrained in there, but he could still have visitors and things like this. He said, I'm going to stop this Jeremiah from talking. Also, you must understand that Jeremiah does not change his belief because he's in prison. Ain't nothing changing. That's what the Lord said. Jeremiah said, I can't change this. This is what thus says the Lord. Guess what? No matter how many people try to dress up sin today and try to pretend like it ain't so, you can't change that. It's the word of God. I don't care how you feel about it. While this is happening, the word of the Lord comes to Jeremiah again. Watch this. It says, the word of the Lord came to me. Hanamel, son of Shulamim, your uncle is going to come to you and say, buy my field at Anathoth. Because at as nearest relative, it is your right and duty to buy. Now, they're about to get invaded. And the Lord is telling Jeremiah to buy this land uh, from one of his uh, relatives. <laughs> You understand me? It's like saying you want to buy some swamp land. Uh, Babylon, God had just told Jeremiah that uh, Nebuchadnezzar is headed away and he's going to take over. He's going to destroy everything up in there. But I need you to buy this land while he's coming to take it over. Mm -mm -mm. Jeremiah had just said the city would be destroyed and the Lord would give it over to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. So why is the Lord telling Jeremiah to buy land when the market is about to crash? <laughs> I mean, see, God just have you doing things that you said, I don't understand it, but that's what he said. I got to do it. Verse 92 of our text in Psalm 119 said, unless thy law had been my delights, I should then have perished in my affliction. Come on now. I said the psalmist is saying that whatever the law says, I'm a delight in that because I will perish uh, in my affliction, if I don't delight in what the Lord, but thus says the Lord. Don't make no difference how I feel about it. Just what the Lord said. Jeremiah is living by the word of the Lord. He's living by faith. Not how he feels. He's living by what thus says the Lord. Well, I don't feel like that. Well, my truth is, doesn't make a difference to me. This is what God says. This ain't, this ain't got nothing to do with me. Don't get, don't take it up with the Lord. He ain't going to change because of your feelings. Because to the natural eye, it makes no sense to buy land when the Babylonians are about to capture land. Does that make any sense to you? From a natural standpoint, this is not a good investment, Jeremiah. But if you read Jeremiah 32, starting at verse 9, it says, And I bought the field of Hanamel, my uncle's son that was in Hananoth, and weighed him the money, even 17 shekels of silver. And I subscribed the evidence, watch this, and sealed it and took witnesses. He said, I want to I want to get some witnesses to testify that I'm living by faith in the Lord, even though I have declared, because the Lord told me to declare, the Babylonians taking over. I'm about to land because the Lord told me to buy the land. So I took the evidence of the purpose, both that which was sealed according to the law and custom, and that which was open, and I gave the evidence of the purchase to Barak, the son of Nurah, the son of Marasa, and the, in the sight of Hamamil, my uncle's son, and in the presence of witnesses that to subscribe the book of the purchase before all the Jews that sat in the court of the prison. And I charged Barah before them saying, thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, take these evidence, this evidence of the purchase 
both which is sealed and this evidence which is open and put them in the earthen vessels that they may continue many days. Watch this though. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, houses and fields and vineyards shall be possessed again in this land. He said he's making a long-term investment on what the Lord said. When we come back, I'm still going to own this field. Whoo! I said that God is something else right there. He declares that Babylonians is going to come through and destroy everything. I want you to buy this field, but don't worry about it. When you come back, your ancestors come back, they still go on the same field. That's what thus says the Lord. If he says it, it's settled in eternity. Jeremiah was not just saying he had faith in Jehovah. He was proving it by obeying what thus says the Lord. It's easy to say, I believe the Lord, but do you really believe it? Jeremiah said, I want some witnesses to show how I believe. Now, after Jeremiah had done this in the presence of witness, it said, our servant Lord, he finna pray now. He finna give some praises now. He says, servant Lord, servant Lord. Just don't, don't let that slide by. Sovereign Lord, he's in charge. Sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and earth. Here you go again. Who made it, Jeremiah? Thou has made. Sovereign Lord, thou has made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. Nothing. It's too hard for you. Testify, Jeremiah. You show love to thousands, but bring the punishment for the parents' sins into the laps of their children after them. Great and mighty God, whose name is the Lord Almighty. Great are your purposes and mighty are your deeds. Your eyes are open on the ways of all mankind. You reward each person according to to their conduct and their deeds deserve. Come on, somebody. You say, I don't deserve this. Well, are, are you sure? You perform signs and wonders in Egypt and have continued them to this day in Israel among all mankind and have gained the renown, the, 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 the renown that it is still yours. Now, notice something. After Jeremiah got through with this magnificent prayer, you ought to read the full thing. It's beautiful. Jeremiah testified through prayer to say that the Lord can do anything and everything he so pleases. He has declared it. This is when the word comes to Jeremiah and says, I am the Lord, the God of all mankind. Is anything too hard for me? That's the question. You should ask yourself that the question today. Do you really believe that anything is too hard for God? Do you think your situation or your problems are too hard for the eternal God who creates things out of nothingness? See, maybe you don't actually study God's creation enough. It'll blow your mind. Just go study the human body for a little bit. And if you think that the human body could have came into existence by a process of thousands and trillions of years, you're fooling yourself. Go look at it. I double dog dare you. Nobody can look at certain created things and come to the conclusion that somebody who's got to be very, very smart, very knowledgeable, and able to do things that just, just baffles the mind, was able to do. This also proves that the word of the Lord is always sure because Zedekiah, king of Judah, for he was not listening to what Jeremiah had told him. Jeremiah told him, you hard-headed. You was hard-headed, but guess what? The Lord uses Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, to punish Judea 
for all their sins and idol worship. What do we have going on now all around the world, including the United States of America? Idolatry galore. People are saying they love the Lord. They don't trust the Lord for anything. So why are you so anxious if you say you love the Lord and trust him? Hey, we all can have shortcomings sometimes, but I don't want to hear year after year you saying you running around like a bunch of unbelievers acting like the world is coming to end. If the world comes to end, guess what? I got my ticket. The world going to come to end. I ain't leaving this earth until the Lord get ready for me to leave this earth. When I leave this earth, I don't care who mocked me when I leave this earth. Guess what? I'm in a better place then. All my hope, all my hope is in the, uh, the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. All my hope is in the sovereign God. What the Lord was saying to his people is, if you lack idol worship so much, I will send you into captivity and you can have your field of idol worship in Babylon. See, when you keep asking for stuff and you keep doing stuff and you keep ignoring God's word, he'll give you all of that you want. He'll overwhelm you with it. You ever see the person who said, I'm so, they get addicted to drugs and they love drugs so much and all of a sudden they start, they OD on drugs. Technically, a lot of people OD on their sin. They become such entrenched in their filth that their mind is so polluted, they don't even know the difference between right and wrong. Am I talking to the leaders of this country now? If you are curious what happened to King Zedekiah, are you, are you, are you, are you curious? All his sons and the nobles of Judea was killed while he watched. King Nebuchadnezzar says, boy, you made a promise to me. And you thought you was going to get away with this. See, Nebuchadnezzar don't realize yet that the Lord is using him. He's going to find out that he start eating a little grass. He got to leave a little grass too. Get him a little umber too because the Lord will use somebody to whoop somebody and then he'll whoop them too. Zedekiah all his sons was lined up in front of him while he's watching. Now, this is the prophet. Jeremiah had told him what's going to happen because he didn't want to repent. He put him in prison. Instead of repenting, he said, I'll lock you up then, Jeremiah. I'll lock you up. But the word of God is not locked up. <laughs> so Zedekiah sees all of his sons and all these noble people who were sticking the crank in his back, telling him, you can win, you can beat him. He kills all of them while the king is watching. Guess what he does? He don't even kill the king. He puts his eyes out and then puts him in prison like he did Jeremiah. Ha! Reaping what you sow around this camp. Everything that the Lord had declared happened as he had said it would because his word is eternal. And Jeremiah was seen to be a true prophet and a man of faith because he put his money where his mouth was and he trusted what the Lord had said he would do. Now make your delight in the law of the Lord and you will never be disappointed. He does not operate on our fickle time frames. The God of glory is not limited by time, space, or the laws that govern our universe. He stands outside of time. Verse 93 of our text says, I will never forget thy precepts, for with them thou hast quickened me. The psalmist is declaring that the word of the Lord has made him alive. Did you get that? He says, thou hast quickened me. I was dead in trespasses and sin, uh, but thou hast quickened me. He is declaring that the God's word has preserved his life. 
The reason we know how to walk by his spirit is because his word has taught us so. How you understand how to walk by a spirit, you never read his word. It will free you up, guaranteed freedom. You will get guaranteed freedom if you learn how to trust him and be obedient to his word. Watch what Romans chapter 8 says. I love Romans chapter 8. It's so rich. It says, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. You will notice something in this first verse of Romans 8. Those of us who walk according to his spirit are indeed in Christ Jesus. Don't don't let that slip by. Notice it says walk in his spirit. If you're walking in the flesh and doing everything your flesh tells you to do, you're not walking in the spirit. There is no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not according to the flesh. You walking according to the flesh, how you have no condemnation? It doesn't make any sense. Those of us who walk according to his spirit are indeed in Christ Jesus. Walking in the spirit proves that we have been born again. We are new creatures after the new birth. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature, a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Does your Bible say all Therefore, if any man, if any woman be in Christ, he or she is a new creation, a new creature. You've been born again. You are new birth. All things are passed away. You say, I'm keep, I've been doing the same thing for 30 years. That don't make any sense to me. No, no, that don't make any sense. Have you prayed about it? So you're doing the same thing you've been doing for 30 years and you expect to get different results. That's called insanity. Your way is not working. How about let's try the Lord's way then? Your way ain't working, so therefore, your way is a failure. Let's try the Lord's way since his word is eternal. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things come new. The things that you used to lack, you ain't, you'll stop lacking them after a while. You say, I can't believe how stupid I was when I thought I was smart. The only reason we have learned to walk in his spirit is through his word. How are you going to learn to walk in the spirit if you don't know his word? It doesn't make any sense. The, the scriptures are spiritual. If we go back to our text in Psalm 119, verse 94, it says, I am thine. Save me, for I have sought thy precepts. He belongs to the Lord, and it is only the Lord who can save him. He seeks after the Lord's precepts, so he belongs to Jehovah. Remember Paul said, I'm a bond servant. Paul says, I'm a bond servant. See, you, you all don't understand what it means to be a servant. You can't just do all the things you want to do. Matter of fact, you will, you'll start understanding you can't do and act like you any way you want to act because now you belong to the Lord. Then if we go back over to Romans chapter 8, beginning at verse 2, it says, For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus had made me free. Does your Bible say that? Let me read that again. Because sometimes we read stuff and we get all excited, but we're not understanding. Uh, Romans chapter 8. Matter of fact, if I was you, I'll just meditate and just read Romans 8 and over and over again. It'll free your mind. Romans chapter 8, verse 2 says, For the law 
of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus had made me free from the law of sin and death. Now, how's that? See, somebody wants to know, do you have to wait till you get to heaven to be free? See, understand, you don't got to wait till you get to heaven to be free. We have too many people who are in bondage. Then verse 3 says, for what the law could not do. The law can't save you. The law can save you. The spirit of God, through you reading his word and understanding the word, the spirit comes and gives us a renewed mind. The reason now you're walking in the spirit because the spirit dwells in you for what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh. Your flesh, it ain't nothing wrong with the law. It's just your flesh is weak. God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh for sin, condemned sin in the flesh that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us. The righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us. Who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Do you understand that same pattern it says? Walking after the spirit, not after the flesh. See, doing fleshly things, if you keep feeding the flesh, guess what? The flesh is going to take over. If you keep doing fleshly things, you keep hanging around fleshly people, if you keep watching fleshly things, guess what you're going to do? That's the one that's going to be the strongest, the one you're feeding. The flesh is already your enemy, and it's going to get stronger and stronger because you keep feeding it. You got to starve the flesh. You hear what I say? See, some of y'all are not radical about your own sins. You got to starve the flesh. The flesh ain't going to go away easily. You think your enemy just going to give up that easily? No, they ain't going to give up that easily. You got to starve the flesh. Whatever's making you weak in the flesh, you need to get away from it. It ain't difficult. Once you understand this concept, if something is meant, whatever it is, if your weakness, whatever your weakness is, if it's alcohol, if it's drugs, if it's sex, you got to get away from that. I once knew a guy who lived in a neighborhood that was very, very infested with drugs. And he got off drugs. I said, you got to get out the neighborhood. You got to get out the neighborhood if you're off drugs. How you going to keep living around this filth? Eventually, you're going to get back on drugs. He didn't listen. He went almost four or five years without being on drugs. But one night he got weak, got back on drugs, went back to prison. You got to get away. See, he had confidence in his flesh. See, I got no confidence in my flesh. If I know I'm weak, I'm staying away from it because I'm weak. You got to understand your weakness and you got to learn to stay away from it. Don't be having confidence in your, I can go anywhere. No, you can't. No, you can't. You're a sinner. You freaking kidding me? Stay away from the trash, man. Then he goes on to say, verse 5, For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. But they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. See, you got you to gotta feed the spirit. See, find you, uh, sometimes instead of listening to trash all the time, listen to, when I'm riding, I like to listen to good gospel sermons. I like to listen to a message. I want to hear the word of God. Sometimes I listen to my own. Sometimes I listen to the Charles Haddon Spurgeon. I listen to all kinds, but I like to hear a nice, solid word. I'm just riding. I want to just soak that in my mind. I'll be saying, oh, that's good. Oh, yes, that's good. See, you got to feed your spirit. Stop feeding the flesh all the time. For to be carnal-minded is death, it says in Romans 8 and 6. But to be spiritual-minded is life and peace. Whoo! Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can it be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. If you don't have peace 
and you are always struggling with anxiety, is it possible? I don't want to judge you, but is it possible that you do not walk in his spirit? Because according to his word, now you remember that first verse says, his word is eternal, it's settled. So if you don't have peace and you have anxiety, it means that you're not walking in his spirit. You're still doing fleshly things, right? You're still carnal. Notice what verse 6 says in Romans. For to be carnal minded is death, but to be spiritual minded is life and peace. I said peace. Sleep like a baby. You want to learn how to sleep like a baby? Become spiritual minded. Understand the things of God and feed your mind the things of God. Oh, we always got to be. See, I, I cover news a lot. But what I do is that sometimes I just got to get off of it. Because there's so much trash even in news. But you got to report it. But always, you want to feed your mind spiritual things. It helps you cover the news better once you understand spiritual things. Because you see trash. As soon as you see trash, you say, that's trash. And people get mad at you like they're hostile towards you because you're saying that goes against the word of God. You're mad at the wrong person. I'm just a messenger. I'm just a sinner saved by grace myself. All I'm doing is trying to introduce you into the light. Come to the light. It's a beautiful light. Now to be spiritual minded brings eternal life and it brings internal peace. That's what the word of God teaches So the question I have is, do you want to have peace today? If so, pray without ceasing that the Holy Spirit will guide and deliver you from you. Do you hear what I say? Pray that the Holy Spirit would guide and deliver you from you. You know what I found out? I was my worst enemy. Oh, you got other enemies, but nobody can make me stumble like me. You hear what I say? You are your worst enemy. And once you figure out that you're your worst enemy, you'll stop actually trying to be friends with your flesh. You got to crucify that thing. That thing is your enemy. It'll trip you up in a minute. It'll be waiting for you. It'll be sticking his leg out. I'm going to trip you up. Your flesh is your enemy. It hates you because it's carnal. Anything physical is carnal. Only the spiritual is about eternity. Everything physical will be destroyed. If so... You need to pray. Pray that the Holy Spirit. See, a lot of things, what we suffer is that we don't have a good prayer life. The secret of a strong Christian walk is a strong prayer life. Pray without ceasing. I don't care how many times. I know I said this before, but this is how I always sum it up. If a Muslim think they can pray five times to a fake God, I'm going to outdo the Muslim. I ain't let no Muslim outdo me praying five times a day. I'm going to pray 10 or 20 times a day then. Muslim talking about he going to pray five times a day. I went in this store one time. Muslim had a had, had a, a piece of carpet behind the thing. He down here, here praying right in the store. He worked there praying in the store, brought, brought his rug up there and was praying. Like I said, would you look at this? He's up here praying. He ain't finna do me. I'm going to pray too then. Oh, I should have just got down in the store and started praying to the Lord right there. They think you the only one can pray. I'm praying to the real God, the eternal God too. We are our worst enemy because we have all kinds of reasons why we are not that bad. You ever see people do it? Well, I'm not that bad a person. I'm better than such and such. Stop it. We all can find somebody we better than. See, we are our worst enemy, but we will reason amongst ourselves. If somebody else was doing the same thing we were doing, oh, we have a problem with that. I can't believe she did that. I can't believe he did that. Have you looked in the mirror? 
Oh, some things should outrage any of us. But here we all be doing the same sin we've been struggling with for 20 and 30 years. But we don't want to let go of You know why? Because we actually like that sin. The flesh loves sin. Don't let nobody fool you. The spirit of the, if the spirit of God lives in you, it hates the sin in you. But the flesh loves sin. Let nobody fool you. It's carnal. Your flesh loves sin. You got to understand how to realize that the flesh is not your friend. Don't try to make friends with your flesh. You think you are not that bad as the murderer. So you, 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 you don't hunger and thirst after the righteousness of God because you're not that bad. Matter of fact, most people say you're a really good person. You're really a good person. I'm telling you, boy, I knew this guy, man. <laughs> every, almost every, I'm not even exaggerating. Almost every time I saw this guy, and sometimes I used to see him like every other day. Either he was saying he's a good person or he was saying his family, somebody he knew was a good person or this guy he knew was a good person. I want to just throw up. Always tell me somebody's a good person. Now, he probably didn't mean no harm. He didn't know no better. But he thought he said he went to church sometime too, but the boy went a bit more spiritual than a man on the moon. He was a nice guy. His daddy left him a company. He was successful because his daddy left him the company. Well, his granddaddy left it to his daddy, and then his daddy left it to him. So now he had people working for him, and he had money now, but so he always thought he was a good person. In his mind, he was a good person. He was married to his wife. As far as I know, he didn't cheat on his wife or anything like that, but in his mind, he was a good person. He was going to go to heaven because of his goodness. We are our worst enemies because we make up excuses up for ourselves. We are not bad enough to crucify ourselves. That's why it says crucify the flesh. See, we're not bad enough. We ain't that bad, so why would I crucify it? Because we want to appeal the sentence that the Lord has declared on all humans. You understand that the, the Lord has declared an indictment on all humans. It's over in Romans 3 and 23. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's an indictment on the human race. All, A-L-L. I don't know what your Bible said. It said, well, almost everybody, no, 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 for all have sinned. That's you and I and everybody else who's ever walked the earth but Jesus. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. What are you, what you are technically are saying is that the Lord's indictment does not apply to me. In other words, the Lord made a mistake. That's technically what you're saying. This is why you hear people all the time saying, how are you going to say Jesus is the only way? You're mad at the wrong person. The perfected one, the one who is without sin, says we all would sin. So are you saying you don't have any sins? I like you just ask somebody, are you saying you don't have any sins? Well, let me talk to people you know. Let me talk to somebody you've been knowing for like 10 or 15 years. I'll show you that you got some sins. So one guy told me he ain't got no sin. Let me talk to your wife. Let me talk to your kids. I guarantee you got sin. Are you, are you freaking kidding me? Worse than the man who came to Jesus. My master, I kept all these commandments since I was a boy. Come on, move on to the next one. What I need to go to get to heaven now, I'm already good with that. <laughs> this is why we can't throw off that sin that keeps tripping us up because we're not bad enough. If we were honest with ourselves and truly examine ourselves, then we could walk in the spirit. Until you become blatantly honest with yourself, you're not going to walk in the spirit. You're not. Because you want to hold on to some sins. You want to hold throw that thing off of you. See, when Romans 13 and 14 says, put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Put on the Lord Jesus. Did you hear that? Now, I want to give you an example 
on what it means to put on the Lord Jesus. Just say you worked in a coal mine. You ever seen those coal miners, but they have black stuff all over their face. Their clothes are dirty. They usually filthy because they're coal miner. When you get home, you're covered in dirt. You smell like sweat. You just, the funk is reeking off of you. You come home, you change clothes and jump in the bed. You don't go take a shower. How would the bed smell after a couple of days of doing that? How would your sheets look? Just say you got white sheets too. How they going to look? And now the clean clothes that you put on are now dirty because you were smelly and dirty and you didn't take a bath. All you did was put the clean clothes over your dirty body. When we pretend that we are righteous without the righteousness of the Lord Jesus, that means we are still dirty. Ain't no need you fooling yourself. You can dress it up all you want to. You are still dirty. And in order to be clean, you must put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provisions for the flesh. Don't say you good. Say I'm filthy. But the Lord, uh, through his grace, has saved me. Now I'm trusting in his finished work. And now I am declared as 100% righteous. I have the righteousness of Jesus Christ because I want to walk according to the spirit, right? The text in Romans chapter 8 goes on to say, But ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so be that the spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead. He says it again. If Christ be in you, you can't keep letting the body lead you around. It's dead. You letting a dead man lead you around? Why are you paying attention to the flesh? It's dead. But the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you. Don't just ignore that. If the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwells in you. This is enough to just blow your mind right here. Now, first of all, I want you to get the concept again. God Almighty, Jehovah, has always existed. If that ain't enough for you to chew on for a billion years, I don't know what it is. How is it possible that you always existed? But the the simple fact is, it's got to be true because if there was once a time that there was nothing, there would still be nothing. We know no piece of matter is eternal. It is such a fickle argument when NASA or anybody argues that anything that is of substance of matter is eternal. By definition, it had to come into existence because it's matter. It wasn't eternal. There ain't no such thing as eternal matter. God is spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. So if God is spirit, he's eternal spirit. And you got to understand this concept because you ain't going to be able to wrap your mind around it. Because I think about this all the time. I, I, I do. I think about this all the time. That the eternal God it was always in existence. How are you going to come against someone who's always been around? He don't need to learn anything. He has all power, all knowledge. Nothing catches him by surprise. How are you going to fight against that? It is futile. That's why it says that God is in heaven laughing at these 
mere mortals who thinking they're mocking God. God is dead. That's okay. Sooner or later, you're going to be dead. And we're going to see who gets the last laugh. The spirit of him that raised Jesus from the dead, the eternal God who's always existed, dwells in you. Your dead body has been invaded if you have been born again by the spirit of the living God. Whoo! That just that blows my mind. The spirit of the living God dwells in us. That's who you should let guide and lead you. Pay no attention to the heathens or anybody else thinking they're marking the things of God. Nothing else makes any sense. Oh, I'm not claiming to be the smartest person in the world. But I'm going to tell you, when God starts opening up wisdom to you and lets you see clearly how ridiculous some of these so-called intellect's argument is, it becomes laughable. You can talk to a PhD. They can use big words. Once you understand how to frame an argument or talk to people and reduce whatever they're saying down to, all you got to do is ask them where it all came from. Show me the piece of eternal matter that you're speaking of. You said something explode. Okay, let's give you that premise. Something exploded into existence. Where did that stuff come from? Are you saying that a piece of matter is eternal? These mere mortals are constantly trying to defy the living God. It's not going to happen. But the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead is dwelling in you. Just think about that. That's a lot of power right there. Whoo! All I'm saying is that sometimes before you know it, God gives you courage that you didn't even know you had. You'll do something before you even think about it out of reaction because you're saying, I don't even know why I did that. I, I just, all of a sudden, bam, I just did something and I didn't even think about it. It never even crossed my mind. I did something without even thinking about it. I put the I put the video up on our website when I was talking about this the other day. Somebody tried to rob me. Uh, and I put the video up on the details of it. And I'm not going to talk about it too much because it really ain't about me. It was nothing but the grace of, of God. I was coming out the store. Just so happened another truck driver was coming up and he says, this dude just went in your vehicle and took your backpack. Him and another guy is going down the street. Before I even knew it, I was gone, running after him. Caught up with him too. Younger fella. Caught up with him, slammed him on the ground, headlocked him, took my phone out, pinned him down till the cops got there. Now, I wasn't even thinking at first, after I thought about this, I said, without even thinking, bam, I just did it. It's like, bam, the Lord told this guy to tell me this, and I happened to be coming outside, and bam, I caught it. Now, what may have happened from this right here is that the Lord is stopping somebody else from being robbed by this career criminal. Because somebody else wouldn't even chase him down. Somebody else would have let him just say it would have been somebody's mother or some other woman. They wouldn't have chased this man down because they would have been scared by looking at him. And he was with another fella. I didn't even think about the other fella. It never even crossed my mind. Just reaction, bam. It was the grace of God, first of all, who let the other driver drive up and tell me that this man had just ran off with my stuff, went in my vehicle, and so I'm outraged right now. And it just so happened that I took off full speed running. I didn't stretch. I pulled a muscle while I was running. I felt myself pull a muscle while I was running, and I kept running. I ignored it. Caught up with him anyway, but it's by the grace of God. By the time I got with him, he tripped. It's almost like the Lord tripped him. By the time I almost caught up with him, he was running full speed and he tripped and hit the hard concrete. By that time, I was on top of him. 
Now you tell me they ain't the Lord. Now I'm in a neighborhood, not a, not a very good neighborhood either. People all around, I could have been killed easily. But the Lord, it ain't my time to go yet. It wasn't my because if it was my time to go, I wouldn't be talking to you right now. By the grace of God. It's like I forgot about fear because it's almost like bam. It was something God brought me out that store at that particular time, and he had this guy driving up at that particular time so I can get my merchandise back. And it didn't even, some of the stuff didn't belong to me. I was doing something for somebody else. Just so happened that the Lord preserved that. That's how he works. So the spirit of him that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in us. And he that raised Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live after the flesh. For if we live after the flesh, we shall die. But if through the spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. For as many are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. The Sunders is declaring that God's word, which is inspired by his spirit, is what guides him. Then our text in Psalm 119 says, The wicked have waited for me to destroy me, but I will consider their testimonies. When someone shows you that they are hostile to God's word, please understand that they are God's enemies. I don't care if it's your family. I don't care if it's your friend. I don't care how long you've been knowing them. I don't care if it's your pastor your church. When someone shows you that they are hostile to God's word, please understand they are God's enemy. God is declaring that they are his enemies. And that means they can get saved one day, but I'm just saying they're God's enemies right now. Just like the apostle Paul was God's enemy at first. And that means if you have the spirit of God living in you, then they are your enemies too. Those who work for Satan wants to harm you. Make no mistake about it. When we go back over to Psalm 27, David says, do not fret because of those who are evil or be envious of those who do wrong. For like the grass, they will soon wither. Like the green plants, they will soon die away. Trust in the Lord and do good. Those who are God's enemies can't win, but they don't know they can't win. First Peter 5 and 8 says, be sober. Be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, walk it about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. He's not a lion, but he pretends by roaring. And most people get scared by the roaring of a lion. Be we, but, but, but see, we must remember that God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power. And love and of a sound mind. That's what we must understand. We must understand that God does not put the spirit of fear. The God of glory lives inside of you. What are you talking about? Fear, fear what? Now, it don't mean be stupid and put yourself in a bad situation. But sometimes courage comes in when he needs you. when, When in the Old Testament, it would say the spirit came upon Samson. The spirit came upon Elijah. Well, that same spirit dwells in you. Remember also, nay, in all things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. In the last verse of our text, it says, I've seen an end of all perfection, but that commandment is exceedingly broad. The psalmist is declaring that 
all so-called perfection has limits. I call it the so-called perfection. But the Lord's commandments are boundless. He sees a limit to all that may be perceived as perfect, but all the ways of the Lord are pure perfection. After David was delivered from all his enemies, he praised the Lord in 2 Samuel chapter 22. He declares, with the merciful, thou wilt sure show mercy, show thyself merciful. And with the upright man, thou wilt show thyself upright. With the pure, thou wilt show thyself pure. And with the froward, thou wilt show thyself unsavory. And the afflicted people thou wilt save, but thine eyes are upon the haughty, that thou mayest bring them down. For thou art my lamp, O Lord, and the Lord will lighten my darkness. For by thee I have run through a troop. By my God I have leaped over a wall. As for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is tried. He is a buckler to all them that trust in him. For who is God save the Lord and who is the rock save our God? God is my strength and power and he make it my way perfect. We can compare no one to the Lord. We can compare no one to Jehovah. If you want to be set free, then seek the Lord with all your heart. Learn his word so you may follow after his commandments. Isaiah 55, 6 and 7 says, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his ways and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return unto the Lord and he will have mercy upon him. And to our God, for we will abundantly, he will abundantly pardon. The Lord Jesus Christ says over in Matthew chapter 7, Ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. Everyone that asks it, receive it. Did you ask for it? And he that seek it, find it. And to him that knock it, it should be open. Have you, have you asked the Lord? That's why you haven't received it. Have you seeked it after the Lord? That's why you haven't found him. Have you knocked? Because if you knock, the door will be open. He said, what man is there of you whom, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? If he asks for fish, you will give him a serpent. Then the master says, if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your father, which is in heaven, give good things to them that ask? Some of you have not received because you're not asked. And the reason you don't ask in the right way or the right motive is because you keep living by the flesh. If you're living and walking in his spirit, trying to seek after him, he ain't hard to be found. If you make your mind up and tell him, come in, Lord, I'm tired of my anxiety. I'm tired of my frustration. I'm tired of living in fear. I want peace, Lord. He will give you his peace. He said, my peace, I leave you. Not as the world give it, I give my peace unto you. Let not your heart be troubled. 
neither be afraid. The good news is God is a God who knows all, see all. His word is eternal and it stands in the heaven forever. His faithfulness continues through all generation. He's the one who established the earth and everything in it. His laws have endured since the beginning and will endure throughout all eternity. So if you're having problems, if you're struggling today, I got good news for you. The God of glory, the very big God who spoke everything into existence, the complicated universe, everything that's in the universe, that God that I'm speaking about wants to come and make his abode with you. Only question is, do you want him in now? You say, I'm going to have to give up some stuff. You mean that trash you're talking about, giving up? So you want to wallop in the, in the mud and the mire and the pig pen still? You say, I want to hold on to what I got. You ain't got nothing. You're saying you're resisting the creator of all the universe because you want to live in the flesh. That doesn't make any sense. That's not rational to me. If you call up on the name of the Lord Jesus, he will hear you and come and make his abode with you. He will infuse you with his Holy Spirit and it will wash and sanctify your heart and mind. It will take off piece by piece, day by day, and that peace that he's talking about that passes on all understanding will overtake your life. Only question is, do you want it? See, some people don't want it. Do you want to be made whole? Some people might not want this. The psalmist is saying that God's word is eternal. He literally says forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in the heavens. If the Lord says he will never leave you or forsake you, he means just that. He don't break promises. He's the covenant keeping God. Now, if there's a qualification, he says you must do this in order to get this. You're going to have to abide by something. You ain't gonna, he, ain't gonna, he loves you too much to leave you in your raggedy life. He said, I want to keep living raggedy. Yeah. So you want to play in the mud, huh? You want to get in the bed without taking a shower. You filthy. You need to put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no preparation for the flesh. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We pray that you would cleanse our minds and our hearts. Give us understanding of your word, Lord. Increase our knowledge. Increase our understanding. Fill us with your Holy Spirit and teach us how to follow after your word. For your word is truth, Lord. Teach us to ignore ungodliness and to take off any flesh's desires that we have in our heart. Cleanse our minds, our heart, and our souls. Make us to be more like the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray for all those who are listening, Lord. If there's any who are not saved, we pray, Lord, that you touch their heart and their mind and free them up out of the prison that they're in of their mind. If we have anybody who's struggling who are believers, Lord, we pray, Lord, that you give them peace that passes all understanding. Bring in and draw them back in. Let them uh, pray that your spirit takes over and root out all of those things that's impure in their hearts and minds. We pray for their peace. We pray for their understanding. And if there's any suffering physically, Lord, we pray for a healing today. We understand that you made them and nothing's too hard for you.
if they're suffering with their finances, Lord, we pray that you would bless them in their finances, but let them give you the glory, Lord, once you give it to them. For it's in Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. God bless you guys. If you have not got a uh, <clears throat> a copy of our book, you can get a copy of the book also. Uh, it's um, JLC has put our links down. If you're not in the, if you're listening on iHeartRadio, you can um, you can get it. You can go over to the website and get it. But spend time with the Lord, and uh, I guarantee you, some of that anxiety that you have will it will start creeping away. It will start peeling it away like you peel onions away. It, just like if you keep putting onions to make water in your eyes, all of a sudden you become, your heart will be softened up because the Lord will start peeling away some of those things that are not like him. Well, God bless you. God bless you. Brittany, uh, JLC, Christy Meadows, Howard, uh, Anthony. Good to see you, Brother Anthony. I don't think I've seen you uh, last week either. God bless you, Brother uh, Anthony. Um, to all those who are Eric. Uh, did anybody else join? Hemp, Brother Hemp, God bless you. Remember this right here. <clears throat> Don't let anybody try to embarrass you for your belief system in the Lord. See, they got to try to defend their foolishness. I don't have to defend stuff because I already know the Lord is right. All I have to do is ask the Lord to give me wisdom to lead me to the right argument or the right thing to free up people's mind. Because sometimes uh, the heathens want to trip believers up. To make them believe, you believing in pie in the sky. No, they're believing in trash. When you listen to these intellects, when you understand the word of God, all of a sudden you see it all comes clear. You're wondering how anybody could believe some of the stuff they believe what these people are saying. But make no mistake about it. God is in charge. You have no reason to be anxious about anything. God is in charge. And the good news is that... <clears throat> God will will guide and protect you. All you got to do is, pray. From, when you go to bed, you pray. When you wake up, thank him for waking you up. On your way to work, on your way to helping the kids, whatever you're doing, learn to pray constantly, all day long. Keep praying. And the more you pray, guess what? The more you want to pray. The more you want to pray, the more you want to know God. The more you want to know God, the more you want to read his word. It just works like that. Get your prayer life up. Get your uh, hunger for his word. You'll be surprised what the Holy Spirit can do to you. It will release the shackles. It really will. It will set you free. See, you get so excited. After you get free, all of a sudden you want somebody else to be free. You, I feel sorry. I see some people sometimes. You just see. Nothing, it's nothing there. I was, I was talking to a young man. I'm not going to give you the details today. And he, he, the man is completely lost. He's completely out of his mind. And I always like to ask him, do you understand what I'm saying? Do you understand that I'm helping you because of Jesus Christ? The reason I'm helping you, I, I remind him every time I see him, if, I, if, I, if I'm going somewhere and I see him, I pull over. I'm helping you. I saw you today. The Lord sent me to bless you today because I saw you. The Lord sent me to bless you. It ain't me. The Lord led me. It just so happened that I saw you. I was over here getting gas. I looked across the street. You're walking over here, and I can tell he's completely out of his mind. I'm praying that the Lord deliver him, whatever his problem is. As long as it wasn't some curse that the Lord, it was something he deserved, I pray that the Lord delivers him one day because his mind is completely gone. Everybody else is scared of him. 
He's completely out of his mind. But every time I talk to him, he's calm. He sits there calm. He looks me in my eyes. Look at me. I'm talking to you. I want to have a conversation with you. You'd be surprised when you talk to people. You'd be surprised if you let the love of Jesus flow out of you. You'd be surprised the things that you can get accomplished. You'd be surprised at the things that you will be a breakthrough. Because it ain't you doing the breakthrough. It's that spirit of God living in you. And if the spirit of God is living in you, you'll be able to uh, unloose the shackles of demons who have possessed other people. Well, God bless you and God keep you. If you miss any part of the sermon or any of the other messages, you can download those messages at Spreaker. If you're on iHeartRadio, you can go over to the website, commonsensenation.net. We have a link set up that you can go and get the messages. And if anything was said and the Lord leads on your heart, you want to make a contribution, you can do that too. God bless you and God keep you is our prayer.